Good morning, ladies, and welcome to Parshas Baloscha. We've taken this up before in different forms. I've added and subtracted and changed, but this Parsha bears definite um, thought because it, again, applies so much to our current situation and to our lives in general. And we're going to be speaking primarily about the complainers, the misonanim. Now, there are, this Parsha is jam-packed. Parsha's Balosra has so many things to take up. The Hanukkah, the menorah, we find the, the, the Hanukkah, Mizbeach, Pesach Sheni, Vayibin Soharon, um, there's Lashon Har with Miriam, the people that want to, you know, it's lots to discuss. But we're going to talk about complainers because, I don't know about you, but this is something I need to hear once a year. And I'm sure everybody else needs to hear it in some form or another. Uh, first, I'll read you a little bit about something, you know, how it starts out the Parsha, because there are, there are a lot of different opinions, a lot of things to say. In fact, we're told in many places, according to the Medrash, there are really seven books in the Torah. And the seven books are well, we have the first, Breshashmos Vayikra Bamidbar, right? That's four. In the middle of Bamidbar, when all is tranquil and good, and the Jews are just dwelling around the Shekhinah with the Degalim and the Man and the Be'er and all the beautiful things, the inspirational things, and saying, Hashem, you lead us and we'll follow. There is this thing, Vayibin Soa Haron, you know, the Aron is carried, and then it says, Uvenocho Yomar, and then it says, uh, when the, when the, the Aron rests. You know, that is supposed to be a safer Bifnei Atzmo because the Nuns, there's all the significance, the 50 above Teva, it's supposed to be a book by itself. And then the downfall comes. That's the, that is the, um, the so the Baibin Sarum and all that, it becomes the fifth book. The sixth book is all the Puranias, all the sins, one after another, Klal Yisrael, and they all begin in this week's Parsha. We have Korach and Shlach coming up and all kinds of other fun things, Bullock. And here it all starts with complaining and with all the different, you know, negativity they had against Hashem. And then finally, to end it all off, we end up with, um, we end up with the, you know, then after the Peronius comes Sefer Devarim. So really, Bamidbar has three Svarim in it, according to the Medrash. Um, you know, I'm sorry, yes, yeah, seven connected, the seven rakia, the seven heavens there are in the world. And all of this is to teach us that, you know, that there was a terrible thing here that they had to have a Ibn Saron in the middle. Ibn Saron, by the way, is supposed to be really with the Degullim, but it was moved here. It's the whole other discussion, which we will not have today. But that discussion, we're told that when Mashiach will come, at the Akhras Hayyamim, Ibn Saron will be moved back with the Degullim, because the only reason it's here in the middle of nowhere is to divide between Puranius to Puranius, from one bad thing to another. And there's a whole idea that Sitzchayim tells us, I'm saying it on one foot, but he says that when something's recorded in the Torah, it's forever. It's, it's a significance. So for the Yidin to keep going and complaining and one after the other like that, this, the, it, it was, there's a significance in a spiritual sense that we don't understand. And that cannot be recorded for posterity. So it has to be moved over, shoved over a little bit until Mashiach comes, that Vahibin Saron is not in its place to stop between the different negative episodes that the Jews are going to commit. 
Now, of course, we have to understand this is a generation experience, the MUN and, 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 and all the other things. They're not as bad as it seems. You know, whatever the Torah says, like in a real harsh light, just like we saw with, with, with uh, the Megillus Rus, like it, it looks like there's harsh things are going on. Of course, we're supposed to understand it in a holier, higher level than that. That really, that, um, you know, really the, 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 the sins were more minute, more in their head, more of an attitude or of, you know, small little things. Even, you know, we, we have explanations for everything like we've done, we've done in the past, Cheta Egel, that it's, it's a higher meaning, or the lower people, the, the lower members of the Jewish people, the Erevrav, that committed maybe in a base way, but most people had much more loftier perception. But these are lessons for us, and that's why it's put in such harsh terms. And for them, on their madrega, it was considered harsh. And now again, people get all scared about being exotic. You know, I, the higher I get, the more I get punished, you know. But the truth is, the higher we get, even if we get in this world, we get a better place in the world to come. So it just shows you when you have it hard in this world, often it means that we have a better thing waiting for us and we just have to endure things right now. Now, let's read some of the verses here. This is in Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Aleph. We're just gonna skip around a little bit just to give you basically what happened and then we're going to go into our questions and some amazing answers and life-changing lessons. Okay, Bahi Am Kimitz Onanim. The people were like complainers. That's an interesting observation. Rab Hashem, bad in the eyes of Hashem. Hopefully, the one thing that we should get out of this is just not to complain, maybe refrain a little bit. Hopefully, it'll be worth the entire share. Okay. By Shema Hashem, Hashem heard by Harapo, and then they had, a, they had a burning that took place, and they called the place, and, and in the edge of the camp, it was called Havera. Now, Moshe Davin's there. Now, uh, then we're going to see later, uh, and the people, the stragglers amongst the Jewish people had a desire, or they wanted, they desired a desire. We'll discuss this in great detail. And then the Bnei Yisrael also like regretted that they weren't complaining, and they started to cry. They said, Who's going to feed us meat? Now, we have a lot to say. We remember the fish that was for free. We had the cucumbers and the melons, and we had the garlic, and the leeks, and the onions, and now all we have is the man. And the man, meanwhile, was considered a zera god. It was like, it looked like a diamond. It had the taste, of course, of anything you wanted to. Some people say that, some portions say they refrained. Uh, pregnant women would refrain from wanting it to taste like these five items that really were not good for, for pregnant women. Rather, nursing women, sorry. And then, um, then, then they, they would, uh, whatever they would do, they would take this mun, they could make anything out of it. And it was like, you know, delicious, of course. Now, um, then Moshe screams out to Hashem, Lama Hariosa Labdecha. Hashem, Hashem told Moshe, he's going to punish these people. And when they were crying, and he says, uh, Did I give birth to all these people? Um, if you're going to tell me carried the Jewish people like a nursing mother carries her her baby, you know, how am I going to give so much meat to give all these people? 
And then uh, I lo- I can't carry this anymore. Too hard for me. If this way you're going to do to me, and Hashem is called feminine in this time, kill me. And then Hashem says, no, get gather together 70 Zakanim, and they will, um, and you bring them to, they'll, they'll go with me, and I'll give them some prophecies that I gave to you, and then everybody will be given meat. Now, um, and the meat fell for like a month, and some people died from it. Some people, the lowest punishment was that some people just were sick and tired of it. But, um, but some people, everyone got to different degrees of punishment, the people that were screaming for meat. Okay, so this begs for clarification. We have to understand this whole thing here. Here's some of our questions. Now, Moshe's, here Moshe Rabbeinu is like trembling, and it says, Rashi says, what, what did he call Hashem in feminine form? Tashash kocho kenekeva. That's always something we want to hear. That his, he was, his strength, his masculine strength was, um, became more feminine, became weakened. doesn't mean that women are the weaker sex. It means that women physically are the weaker sex. That physically he became weakened like a female. He couldn't do those lifting of those 6,000 pounds. You know, that they've always had that a woman cannot run as fast as a man. A woman is physically unable to be as strong as a man. That's just how God made it in order that the family should have certain hierarchy of different people doing different things. When it comes to the physical voice in the house, we have to, the husbands have to be in charge. Now, now he became weak like a female. When he heard that the Jews had succumbed, that they're complaining, According to many of the Mephorshim, this was all one incident, that they got burnt, even though it says at first that they first got burnt, and then later it says they, they wanted to desire for meat. That complaining, there were three things that the Jews complained about, and there's different arguments about it. They were either, it says, Baisal Mehar Sinai, Baisar Mehar Elohim, sorry. They traveled from, they were coming now from Har Sinai, where they were for a whole year, basking in the divine presence, and it says they ran away, Katino Kabareh Mibesa Safer. Like, we got 613 mitzvahs. It's enough for us. We don't want any more. We don't want to see another mitzvah. I don't want to see another mitzvah. So, what did they, they ran away. And now, when they ran away, they, um, th- that was considered one thing they did wrong. That they, either because they didn't want so many mitzvahs, some people say they didn't want so such a, it was hard traveling. They traveled three days' journey in one day. They had the, the Aaron Akodesh in, in this particular instance because they were now going into the deep, dark deserts for the first time. They were really leaving civilization right now more than ever. They, um, the Aaron traveled three days ahead of them to kill every scorpion, snake, anything that would be something that could be tricky for them. And, uh, you know, on their, and it cleared the path for them. So when they finally got there, everything they didn't know from a scorpion, they didn't know from a raccoon, they didn't know from bats, they didn't know from the giant hornets, they didn't know from anything. So what happened? This is always, the path was cleared, they're traveling on, and what next happens is that um, they, the, they, they complain now about the food. They complain about the month. So the question is, what was there to complain about? The man was a perfect food. Why did they complain? Why did they want? Why do they want cucumbers and leeks if the man could taste like those things? Secondly, 
why does it say kimis onim, like complainers? What do you mean they were like complainers? Number three, why did they want meat if they had cattle? Number four, why did Moshe Rabbeinu say he's weak like a female? By when the, they, Moshe came down from Har Sinai, when they did the Chet HaEgel, okay? They did the Chet HaEgel, he had strength. He was willing to give up his, he broke with, a, he was giving a statement to the Jewish people. He said he could bear them. He didn't say he can't bear them. He, he said the Yud Gimel Midas Harachamim afterwards, by the way, he broke the Luchos and he, you know, he told Hashem, Hashem wanted to destroy the Jewish people. He says, no, erase me from your book. Here, Hashem never said he was, he didn't say he was going to destroy the whole Jewish people. Hashem is going to punish them for wanting such a desire. And when Hashem, when they wanted such a desire, he says now, he says now, um, he, 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 the, uh, oh, another thing I forgot to mention, by the Chet Eagle, he gave them water with like a sota, with Hashem's day, with ashes from the parad, from the Eagle. They all drank it, and whoever was guilty died. At that. That's how they died at the Chet Eagle. Here, in contrast, Moshe Rabbeinu like, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. He wants to give up. Is this sin of complainers, fetchers, and wanting meat so much worse than Chaita Egel that Moshe says he can't do anything? He can't do Yud Gimel Midos. He, he feels he's weakened. Hashem has to get the Zakanim to help him out because, so to speak, he can't do it himself. What, what, what is this? And why did he daven for them? Why did he daven for them? And he says he wants to die. If, if the problem is dying, would the problem be solved, you know, by him and his dying? Like, how is that going to solve the problem? And in the case of the, the when they did the Chet HaEgel, the um, Moshe said, also he wants his name blotted out. But in that case, it's because Hashem preceded it by saying he's going to kill all the Jews. Here he did not say he's going to kill all the Jews. He just was going to bring them meat, and Moshe saw that was a bad sign. So Moshe has to die without Hashem, you know, telling him he's going to die, you know? Well, what is What is this? And also the man in general, there is something negative that says, in Parshas Ekev it says, that Hashem wanted to afflict you and to starve you, and he fed you the man. So there is some type of affliction associated with man. What is it? Okay, so we got, again, let's just repair face, because I think I said this in not such an orderly manner. So again, the basic idea is, that there were three sins committed by the Jews. Number one, that they left Har Sinai with a little bit too much joy, like a like a child leaving based on, you know the the Sefer. Um, also, the second thing we said that either they were complaining about the desert, about the traveling, and then now to, they had to end it all off. They're complaining now about the meat. That's that. Now and then, why did they complain? Why did Moshe feel like he's weakened? He can't handle this. That he, Hashem, help me, please, let me die because I, for them. Okay, so let's explain all this and what was so terrible that the complainers was considered worse than the actual Chaita um, Ego. So as a preface, we're going to start by mentioning bring down a word from Rav Pam Zetzal. He brings down from Sefer Hayurayim. Uh, when it says Kimis Onanim, the nation in the beginning, you know, they're again, we, they're not all set in one place. First it says they were like complainers, and then later it says about the food. We're now talking about the first episode when they were like complainers. According to some, according to Rapam, 
he feels they didn't actually complain, which it doesn't say that in the first few verses. Later on, they complain actually about the man, but here they're complaining, they don't say a word. He said, sometimes complaining can be without using any words. And you see it on somebody's face. I had this incident many years ago, a woman from Toronto, who's, I don't think she lives here anymore, years and years ago. Every time I saw her, she had like a sour look on her face. So I got to the point where one day I called her up and I asked her, is there something I have to apologize to you for? I feel like I've hurt you. And she says, no, there's nothing. <laughs> Sometimes your face is Rishus to Robin. We know that. So, you know, that there were people like Robin Krasinski, Vassal, Rav Lubachansky, Vassal. Both of them worked on themselves to always have a pleasant countenance to the point where during World War II, it gave a lot of people chizik because they never would let themselves look down. Why is it important to give such a pleasant countenance? We find, and he brings down from Sefer Nehemiah, it talks about, you know, Nehemiah was um, a, like a, a servant of the king of Persia, who at that time was Daryavish, the son of Esther Hamalka. And the... Uh, this was, he heard that he was serving every day, you know, I think he was like a butler, wine butler, coming and serving his master, Daryavish, every day. One day, Daryavish claims to him, I, I see your face is not like it was before, and you don't look like you're serving me with simcha, you know. And, and he tells them, Nehemiah says, well, I just heard that the base of Migdash was destroyed. And that's why I don't serve you that same way. Because he was heartbroken. And... Um, he originally, until he knew the reason, Daryavish criticized him. How can you serve me in such a downcast manner? Says Rav Pam, and he, and he said, my, my, my master, the king, is just because my people are enslaved. And then this, this spiked the whole idea, sparked the whole idea of Daryavish giving permission for them to rebuild the temple. Says Rav Pam, we have to know that whenever we complain, just in general, or even if we just look downcast, it's really a bizayon lamelech. It's really something we're looking, we are, we're really putting the king down. Like, we're not happy to serve you. We not, you know, and that's considered a sacrilege. In the olden days, if a person would serve the king like that, his head would be cut off. You know, and here we are, we have a chance to serve the king. And if we look or feel downcast, it looks as if we don't enjoy the life that we live. We don't enjoy the, 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 what the, the task we've been given by the king. Pom mentions other things as an aside. He says just people have a, have a sometimes a bad habit of calling food garbage or throwing food on the floor or, you know, like there's some people today, like, you know, the way we treat food, the way we treat objects, the way we treat anything, it shows like we don't appreciate what our master gave to us. So that's the first thing. Kimmy Sonanin, even your facial expression is very important to others, especially because then people will see, like, this is how you serve the king. This is what you feel is part of, uh, of being a frumayid, of, of, of serving the king. This is what you want to, how, how you want to serve him. That's our first point. Second point is this whole thing generated by the stragglers. Um, basically, the Jewish people were in a very unusual, supernatural existence when they lived in the Midbar. Says the Vilna Gong, there were like three stages. He said that when they were in Mitzrayim, it was like pregnancy. You don't see a baby yet. It's very dark uh, for the baby. It's also a very dark time for the mother sometimes, too, in some ways, depending how she feels during her pregnancy. 
but um, you know, it's it, it's it's dark and and you don't see yet anything, and it felt Hashem will turn off the lights. Then we find the birth of Klal Yisrael was at Yitzias Mitzrayim, and then finally we find that the desert was the nursing period. Why do you need a nursing period? We were steeped in immorality. We were well, the Jewish people never succumbed to the, the same immorality that the other nations of the world succumbed to, but we were steeped in all kinds of like foreign, the Egyptian mentality, let's put it that way, steeped in the Egyptian mentality for all this time. And we had, you know, the, and the, the slave mentality, we had that, uh, the, the lack of Amun and Hashem. Certain things were going on that was, you know, they, they had Lashon Hara a lot before Mitzrayim. Now, they needed to be somewhere where Hashem is going to take care of them and bring them out of this. They can't just suddenly be thrown into civilization, says the Velnagon. They needed this like type of environment to grow them so they would be deserving of getting encouragement to get it, to get the Torah. And all the encouragement we got, we had the every day that the clouds of glory leading us and we had the fire leading us. We had the water from Miriam, the, the clothes, the, the man. How could they complain? How could they complain when they had everything? Somebody just asked me, are we going to have this environment once Mashiach comes? Um, I don't think so. I think this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And, um, you know, this is a, we're going to have like that in the fact that everything is going to be, um, you know, the people will afford things, that people have money that they didn't have before because there won't be poverty anymore. There'll be peace. There'll be a lot of other things. But this is the Dordea, the one that got the Torah and heard Hashem speaking to them person to person. They had this thing that nobody else had. Uh, once in a lifetime, once in a, once in a, uh, not lifetime, once in the, the life of humanity, that they had this experience of Matan Torah and Yitzhak Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf, all those things, they needed to rest up from the terrible travails of, what they went through and be prepared to get the Torah to pass down purely for to generations. So for that purity, they had to be really seeing for 40 years. Uh, it's unbelievable day to day to see that Hashem takes care of them every day and without fail. Now, the, uh, the Grai Chaver, who was a parish that the Sefzeh Chaim brings down is, even though the Jews didn't, there was good and bad about this Dor HaMidbar. On one hand, the good news is that, you know, they were totally fed by Hashem every minute. They also, but they didn't rule over anybody. No ruling or there was no dominion in the world until the time of Dovin and Shlomo. And, but there was no such thing as nature. There were some, tra- there were some Yisurim. It's hard to move. It's hard to keep moving. They were, they were moving constantly. You know, and, and they didn't know when they were going to move mess. That, that, wasn't such, that wasn't so easy. But the one thing they did not have that was really missing, says the Sif Sechayim, was the fact that they had no independence. And that independence um, causes some people, like, you know, you're like a baby, you know, most people, you know, we'd all like to be a different age, especially when you get older. <laughs> like, um, you know, like the young people all want to be old, right? And we all want to be young. But none of us 
wants to be a baby. If anybody disagrees, please shout it out. Shout it out right now. I've never heard this before, except one person I knew who was slightly off said this to me, that they wanted to be a baby, but I've never heard this. Nobody wants to be a baby. Nobody. Because a baby has no independence, you know? Um, children want to be an adult because they want that independence, and adults want to be children just because of the, we don't want to be children. No, nope, nobody wants that. We all want to be 20, right? Or we want to be a teen. I don't even know. We want to skip the teenage years. We want to be 20. We want to be, you know, fresh and be able to just, like, run through the, the grass in the morning, whatever it is. But we want we want um, independence and, and kayak, of course. Now, the, the, a, ch- a baby has no independence. It has no identity almost. There's no identity. There's no, okay, they, 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 they get everything they want every minute, but um, that's what they don't have. They don't have a sense of, 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 of independence. And what does the sense of independence come from? Wanting to feel like I'm in control. I did something. I achieved something. Right now, there's good and bad to it. In our generation, we're, we can't even imagine what this feels like, you know. But for them, it got to the point where they it made them be unhappy. They were unhappy that they had no opportunities. Now, this is very mirroring the same height of Adamarishan. If you ever go into that in depth, the same basic idea on one foot. Rav Dessler explains it's like. He had this madrega of being super pure, and he wanted to achieve more on his own versus to be just handed that on a silver platter. So once a person's unhappy, they, um, you know, they start complaining about everything. They start noticing, um, you know, the, the, the person wants to feel like they've accomplished something. So, you know, they, they start feeling the bad about the taste. They start feeling that they didn't have... Uh, you know, that they didn't have this, they didn't have that, you know, all the, they start noticing all the things that they don't have, you know, and that's because that person um, is looking for finding fault because they're unhappy. You know, another place it says that B'nai Israel complained when we talk about, that's a place called Mara, Ki Marim Hain, they were bitter. When a person is down, they find negativity everywhere. You can always find negativity when you're down. So, you know, they, they, they want someone to, they want to feel like they're in command, they're in charge. Maybe this is why a lot of people own dogs in the country we live in, countries we live in, because everybody feels someone's going to listen to me. My kids don't listen to me. My husband doesn't listen to me. So the dog, Fido, will do whatever I want, you know, and I have total dominion over Fido. So that way uh, people um, feel like they have some type to, to have control. Now, so that's really what they were complaining about, that there was this feeling that, 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 they, that okay, it's too much already. I, I can't. It's all it's all given to me, and you know, okay, they were learning Torah, they were doing mitzvahs, they're doing that, but they felt like they were, they, you know, and this, and by the way, they were right in a certain aspect, um, because this is not the way Hashem planned the world. The world did not exist afterwards. The test is for a person with the darkness. We're supposed to prove how close are we to Hashem? How where's our amuna? Where are our mitzvahs? Where the 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 purity of our mitzvahs, even when things are dark. Here was a case where everything was lit up and you had almost like no Bechira and they didn't enjoy this type of thing. Hi, Florence. I just see you. <laughs> Anyways, the, um, thanks for the encouragement. Um, so now, the, what happened was that the Zakanim, the elders, had died in this conflagration, Tavera, in the beginning, when they said that they were like complainers and the, all the Zakanim died. That's not mentioned overtly in the Parsha. What did the Zakanim do wrong? The original Zakanim 
they um, they died right here in this whole complaining season because they had committed similar type of crime, albeit on their madrega. What was their crime? Their crime was, it says, uh, Rashi tells us, they perceived God at Har Sinai, and it was if they ate and drank. What does that mean? So according to what we're saying now, Sefzei Chaim explains, they, when they got Matan Torah, there's a little bit too much of a feeling like, wow, look how, look how I, I kind of got, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a leader, and I got something from this. I did something to kind of deserve this. There's a kind of ego. There's a kind of me. There's not, there's a lack a little bit of bending to the divine and just feeling, do I deserve any of this? I have no control over anything in my life. They felt like a little bit by, by their pace, a place of power is dangerous. We can sometimes, it gets us to the point where we start feeling like, look what we've accomplished. You know, and, and how much of it is Hashem and how much of it is us? So they didn't deserve to, to, this is when Hashem decided, he didn't want to ruin Israel's re, uh, rejoicing at Matan Torah. So instead, they pass away here in our Parsha. These were also the same Zakanim that when it came to, now, this, this is very interesting. The Rav Mordechai Miller, as it's all from uh, Gateshead, says that this whole idea of, 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 of taking a, of a thing of, you know, they had all these revelations. What, what caused them to be a little bit too much full of ego? Because they shirked their responsibility. We believe that when a person's given a place of power or given cocos or given talents, that reason the person's been blessed with all those things is to utilize them and say, like, it was not mine to begin with. I'm supposed to share them with others. Do you remember the story about these Zakanim that they followed Moshe and Aaron to Paro's palace, and one by one they slinked away? They didn't want their responsibility. They didn't want to have to give anything from their position of power. They just, so to speak, wanted to bask in it. When it was good, they were there. When it was negative, where were they? Because that's what power is supposed to mean. Whenever we have anything, be it financial, be it anything, anything we could contribute to civilization, we shouldn't, I mean, we should, in our generation, we do have to feel good about what we were given because we often take ourselves for granted, don't see that we each have things that are worthwhile and that can benefit other people. Yes, we do. But we have to also take, we are here for others. We're not here just for ourselves. We have a responsibility in life. We have other people to keep in mind in life, not just ourselves. We're not here just for ourselves. Remember the story Rav Dessler brings down that when Hashem was talking to Avram Avinu, Hashem was talking to Avram Avinu, and these three people came along. Avram gave up his his perch, having an avua from Hashem, basking in the divine presence, and yet he wanted to go serve these three stragglers. Why did he go serve the guests? How could he do something like that? So if Dessler explains, I'm just saying it very short now, because it fits in with what we're saying. Rav Dessler says that Avram Avinu felt the way I've grown my whole life is by giving. I know if there's a question, who do, do I give to people that are just pure needy versus Hashem who is giving me? There's no, there's no question. I have to be in a position, the more giving, the higher I go, the more I grow. If it's a question of basking, we have to have times that we should take stock of things, the good things we've done. And, and that's where it begins. And we're really lacking in our generation in that aspect. But what we can do and what we should do is still put other people along with us. 
Think of others. Think of Hashem. Think of responsibility. Not to put it, you know, in the negative necessarily that we're nothing and Hashem is everything, which is true. <laughs> but we have to we have to focus on the positive in our generation today. But at the same time, we have no control. And and Scott and 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 we have to realize that we can't sit and just pat ourselves on the back and say how great we are, because our greatness really stems from everything Hashem has given us. So we are great because we are a Salamalokim. We all are, you know, flashes of the divine a soul that's put into our body. We all are, everything that, that we have and we own is really given, given to us by Hashem. We have a godly body that is so unbelievably magnificent. And we have a world around us that's magnificent. And we have to make these right choices in our life of what we're going to do with all these wonderful gifts we've been given. But we don't have control and we can't shirk responsibility. We find that um, that's why the generation of the Mun were the ones supposed to get the Torah. We're supposed to realize there's no place. Now, they had everything in the desert, by the way. Even though we learned the desert was this desolate place, to teach us that is nothing but Hashem. This is what they, this is the chinuch they needed. There's nothing but Hashem. It's not like we have our own establishments. No, nothing but Hashem. Albeit, Ravavram Yeshua Soloveitchik Shlita from Brisk in Yerushalayim says, that they really had everything besides the cattle. They had their clothes never wore out. They never had to do laundry. Can you imagine? No laundry. Um, they they had they had all the food they needed daily, you know, and everything they needed. They're protected from the Ananiha Kavod, from the clouds of glory. They're protected. They had nothing. So why why is it called a desert? Because they didn't have extras. They just had everything they needed in life. Everything. But yet that was, you know, the little extras is all something we need sometimes. And um, the uh, we're supposed to think that, um, you know, that, that we really, that we have to shred ourselves of our ego. We have to realize we're not in control. We don't deserve anything. You know, they, they got to say that, that, that we, we don't deserve to be, that the, the Nassim were great. They deserved something, but they went too far. They didn't realize that they also had a mission that was in doubt. Maybe they were on a higher Madrega, but that came with a mission, with a, Thing that they had to do, they didn't do it. So Moshe Rabbeinu now was when they complained now about the food, there was no zakenim. Moshe Rabbeinu felt I'm weakened like a female. Why did he feel so weak about this? About this? Sicheta Egel was a complaint that they wanted someone to assist them. They needed. They said Moshe's not here. How are we going to serve Hashem properly? We need a prop. We need an egg. We need something to look at. That's what most Yisrael felt. We need something to inspire us. Um, to remind us what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. So that was like somewhat religious. This was pure desire. They wanted desire. They wanted, they didn't want to be on such a lofty madrega. They didn't, that's what we're going to get into this a little bit more in a minute, but they also didn't want that. They didn't, they didn't, they wanted more control of their life. They wanted more control. That's really, you know, and they had to realize that um, that control is only Hashem. There's nothing else. See, that, there was no control in Chet Egel. Here was a question of wanting more control. That's one of the things that they did wrong, according to Sefsei Chaim. And that had to be rectified. Moshe Rabbeinu says, what? They want, they, they want such, you know, they, want, they, they don't like this uh, existence to just have you, to just, they just don't want you all the time. You know, that's terrible. If they don't want you all the time, then I, 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 there's something I could do. How could, I don't want to dive to save people. He didn't he wanted, he felt he had to die. Why? Because he felt maybe it's his lack of leadership. He felt, I need help. 
I can't, I can't do this by myself. I need other people to be able to help me because maybe I'm at fault. He blamed himself. That's how Moshe Rabbeinu took it. Another, another parish, we see that, um, I think Rav Nassim Vachvogel says this, he wasn't on the madrega of meat. He didn't understand why do people need meat. He couldn't, he couldn't understand such a thing. I should be the one to bring the meat. I'm not, I'm, I'm beyond that. I don't want to get into Olam Hazet. So the Zakanim are more, more suitable for this type of thing. Let them provide them with what they need, but I don't want to get, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to get near Gashmias. I don't want to have anything to do with it. You know, there's a story that um, years ago, Ravel Yashiv was asked to Shiloh about a blender, but the problem was he didn't know what a blender was. <laughs> so they, because wife had to describe it to him because he knew nothing from this world, you know, like he didn't, he didn't have anything to do with it, you know. Aaron Cutler's at Salve and he used to eat, he used to tell his wife, Lomer up Potter and Demessen, let's get over with eating. You know, like, well, these are our gedolim, the way they look at things. Chaim Kanievsky Shlita, his wife didn't want to, this is her madrega also, we're telling her her madrega here, she didn't want him to have to think about what he's eating because he's so orangutan and learning. So she's telling him, she just pointed different foods, said the bracha. She even told him what the food is because he didn't want to lower himself to that. So that's why Moshe Rabbeinu did not want to deal with the basar. But he also felt, according to Sitzchayim, he was unworthy. To maybe he, it was a lack in him that all of a sudden they don't appreciate their existence anymore, and that they have to be, you know, that they're not in control, that they, you know, like you couldn't understand such a thing. Now, we find also that they're, uh, so how does this apply to our situation, what we're saying so far? We, by the way, here's an announcement. We are not in control. <laughs> we are not in control. How many of us, and I'm the first one to jump in the line, okay? We say, Hashem, I want to serve you, but I want to serve you with this body, which I don't have. I want to serve you in this scenario, which I don't have. With this, perhaps, family setting, which I don't have. With this financial setting, which I don't have. And this weather setting, and definitely no COVID setting, I want to serve you like this. But it's not in our control. So there's a big lesson in the complainers for us. We only want it this way. Now, we are not on their madrega. Baruch Hashem, so I don't think, you know, fire is going to come down or, or Moshe Rabbeinu is going to complain about us. But what we can do, there is something we can do. We can, when we get to davening, we could daven for tomorrow, for tomorrow, Hashem, or from now on, please make this easier on me. Please take this away from me. Please make our, our lives a little bit easier. But for what we do have, this is what we have. We should say thank you. We should say thank you to Hashem. We have to say thank you because this is what, this is where you put us. You don't want us to have this amount of control. This is where it stops. This is where we don't have choices. And if we, of course, if you have a problem, besides davening to Hashem, if you can eradicate the problem, eradicate it. If you have to go pay somebody, right, you got to bloom where you're planted, somebody just mentioned, but, um, or make lemons, out, make lemonade out of the lemons. You know, if we have this situation, this is where we're meant to be. This is it. This is where we are. This is our paradise lost. Put on your sunglasses. Put it, pick up your feet. This is our paradise. This is where we're supposed to grow, right here in this particular place. 
in this particular situation. And we should say, we should get, even though we don't feel it whatsoever, we should say, thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. I need this. Otherwise, it wouldn't be happening to me. And then later, when it comes to davening, we should try to eradicate it. But to be besimcha, as long as we can, we have to accept the situation. It's not in our control. We can't say, we, we, we can ask for it to be changed. Well, in their case, there was much less of a, 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 of a reason for it to be changed. It was pure, pure and beautiful. It was a beautiful situation. And they were obviously being led in a certain direction. So, you know, this is, they should go in that, that thing, in that direction. Okay, so, so far we've just, we're talking about to give up the sense of control, which is, again, why people have dogs, they want to control something. Um, you know, we have to give up our sense of control. We have to say, we don't, okay, this is where we're placed. This is where we have to be. We have to make it good and happy and wonderful in our place without control, because this is what they were taken to task for in their particular situation. Theirs was perfect, but again, people want to feel like they, they accomplished something, and we should, whenever we do do something good, we should tell ourselves, but what's really what we do something good? We make good choices. The fact that we were able to accomplish something, it was all with Hashem's help. The only thing we could say we accomplished is when we did the right thing, made the right choices. That's a sense of accomplishment. And even then, we don't know how much siyati deshmai we got from Hashem. You know, so we don't know. But we at least we should tell us that I did the, look, I was able, baruch Hashem. We should, we should, and we, we're on a madrig, we're on a low generation. We need to tell ourselves how much we've accomplished. We do. But when things are out of control, just let's try to just be as happy as we can. That shouldn't be a bizayan lamelech. It shouldn't be that we don't enjoy serving our master. And this is what he gave us, obviously. And that's what we're supposed to do. Now, one more thing. The, um, another a slight difference of opinion, but they really mesh beautifully. And that is the opinion of Rav Shimshim Pinkus itself. Hagayin Rav Shimshim Hatzadik, Rav Shimshim Pinkus. He says that what they did wrong, there's, a, there's another element that we didn't, you know, that we're, that we're missing here. Not only do they want a little bit more control and do they want to feel that, um, you know, they can grow on their own and feel like themselves more in the picture. He says that the fact is they didn't want so much Hashem in their lives all day. It's like a whole Yom Kippur for 40 years. You know, it says, this is the Tino Kabarech, Mimbesa Sefer, which they're faulted for. We have to be careful at the end of Yom Kippur, for example, not to feel like, oh, two more minutes and it's over. You know, we should try not to feel that sense of relief. Of course, we need breaks. We're, we're human and we know we need breaks. We do, we do, and we have to know where we're at. But a person should feel, I wish, I wish with my whole heart that I, uh, that what I'm doing now is my greatest pleasure. I'm happy to do it. Shemshim Pinkus, I heard once in another place, he said, you know, a lot of women, they don't realize, you know, people feel so overburdened, let's say, Pesach time. The whole family's there and, you know, so much work and you're on your feet. I remember so many Pesachs that I felt I hadn't seen the clouds for like seven days. I never saw the sky. You know what I mean? You're just in the kitchen. You're cooking and cleaning and cooking and cleaning and cooking and cleaning. Like that's the epitome of it, you know. The, and the um, he says we're supposed to cherish that we're able to serve. It's a service. We're like the crank God on the base of it, just serving a whole Jewish family and, and, you know, doing things for others. And every time we have an opportunity, he gives an example. He says in a marriage, uh, the husband tells his wife, I have to leave early tonight. I have an important meeting. Please have supper on time for a change. Have supper ready on time for a change. And he says the wife 
is on the phone. He walks in. She kind of didn't do her job with her full heart. And he like starts screaming at her and he embarrasses her in front of her friend. He said, what did both people do wrong in this case? They didn't put a shem in the picture. They didn't look at it. They, you know, we tend to take our family and close people in our life for granted. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't see that really they're, um, you know, they have a mission. The husband said that that's what he wants. That's your holy mission for the day. That's what he needs. That's what he needs to serve Hashem. He needs you to have that supper on time. And what she needs, she needs not to be embarrassed. And they both were just thinking of themselves, and they forgot about Hashem. They're saying there's too much God in this picture. The Vakshi Malila, they want to get away from it. We have nothing but the man. The man says Ravel Yalapian had no Yetzahara in it. It tasted del- delightful, like main Olam Haba, but there was no, like, real, you know, whatever in it. Trimshin Pincus says, the difference between milk and meat, milk, which is like, they were like a yonik. They were like, a, we were all like nursing babies in, in, uh, in the Midbar. Nursing baby, as we said, no sense of self. And what do they taste in the milk? Everything the mother ate that day. Whereas meat, you don't taste everything the cow ate that day, thank God. You know, <laughs> whatever, you know, like whatever. It's your own self is being initiated into this versus where it's a nursing situation, it's just pure mother, pure mother. They didn't want the pure mother all the time. They didn't want to eat the food of angels all the time. They wanted to feel like, when's downtime? You know, when's the downtime? I need some downtime. You know, like this is, uh, they say like this whole test that we're in with the coronavirus, either we could rise up to the challenge and get closer to Shem than ever before, or people are on the computer more than ever before with downtime. You know, like this is our challenge, like, and we're probably going back and forth depending on the hour and the, the day, you know, you know, feeling that we need downtime. We don't have downtime. But in any case, we have opportunities for growth and we have to let go of the control and we have to let go of the feeling like we don't want Hashem so much in our life. Let me just read to you something that he brings down from the Arizal. The Arizal tells us a person should know. If you want to know what is the source that all weighs on, when a person does a mitzvah, don't regard a mitzvah as if it's a burden. And feel like you have to take it off of yourself. But you should think in your mind, but you should think in your mind when you're doing that mitzvah, yarviach elef alafim dinari zahav. Think you're think, thinking of thousands and thousands of gold coins if you're going to do this mitzvah. Enjoy it. Relish it. Enjoy it. Enjoy being a Hashem. Enjoy davening. Enjoy what we, and whenever we do a mitzvah. We just want to throw it off our things because, okay, I had enough religion for today. You know, religion 101, you know, enough, you know, or or to feel as if, you know, I want to do what I want to do now. Let's do what I want to do now. But you should feel like you're... And that's what it means, you know, that a person has to serve Hashem with so much simcha whenever he does something, because this is his purpose in life, and he's finally coming to achieve it. And that's what we don't. We don't take that, that time to appreciate, we want to have freedom. We want independence. We don't want to have, you know, this, this, this thing dragging us down, you know, and we want feeling of control. That's even a higher feeling. I want to do mitzvahs on my own. I want to do what I want to do. And I want to save the world. And Hashem says, okay, you want to save the world? 
here are your five brats in your family that you have to save today. You know, <laughs> this is your, that's the world. That's your world. I'm giving you somebody to save, you know, the, uh, we, we want to, um, we appreciate so much when a stranger gives us something, you know, but do we appreciate so much when Hashem is giving us something all the time or when our family's giving us something, we have to learn to look at the positive, to focus on that positive, especially when we're doing what we're supposed to do. That's bigger than, than, than doing something extra credit. You know, we're supposed to feel that pleasure of, of not having independence because the purpose, says Rabbi Rucham Lubavitz, of having Bechira is not to have Bechira. The purpose of having choice, freedom, is in order to, you wanted something more under your belt that you've conquered. That is not freedom for you anymore. Just like none of us would entertain the thought of turning a light on, on Shabbos. We want more things like that should be so sacred by us that we would never, ever do them, never engage in negative activities. We want to have less freedom in a way. Less freedom means that we are more servants of Hashem, you know, and we should try to relish what we're being given because this is our task at hand. We should put the biggest simple we can into it. I want to finish by saying something unbelievable. So it's all in your attitude, your facial expression, not wanting responsibility, you know, not wanting responsibility is a negative thing. You should want responsibility. Now, I have to share with you, I just saw this on Shabbos from Rabbi Victor Miller on last week's Parsha, but it just like blew me away and it ties in with everything we said now and this will be our final thought for today. And here it comes. You remember we said last week, we're talking, there was that um, Shimon Atzadik, um was a Kohen and he, there was one time um, a Nazir that, he, that, that usually if, it, if a Nazir by accident would touch a mace or defile himself in that 30-day period, he'd had to bring a korban asham. He'd have to bring a korban of, of atonement for having to start again his 30 days of Naziris. But one time, and, and they, when their korban could be, uh, that korban could be consumed by Kohanim. But Shemanat Sadek said he never would eat, for whatever reason we're not going to get into, he would not eat from those korbanas. But on one occasion, he made an exception. It was a man um, from the south, a Nazar from the south, if you remember the story, um, he had beautiful hair. In those days, Senator Victor Miller, people didn't grow their hair like today is a statement that I'm anti-establishment and I just want to do laissez-faire and do what the heck I feel like doing and don't care about what people want me to do. People would do it because they thought there was this just the way people lived. I guess it wasn't so easy to get a haircut also. So um, he noticed he was a shepherd. He noticed his, his face in, um, he was staring at his face in some type of water and he saw what he looks like, and he said the following words, Russia, Russia, why are you taking so much pride in a world that is not yours? And then he decided he wants to become a Nazir. Now, there's something very interesting here, very interesting. You know, so Shimon had sort of kissed him on the forehead. He said, all the Nazirim should be like you. But I never really thought about this in great detail. You know, I just thought that he was, you know, a person that wanted to fight his gaiva. But the words he used, says Rev. Victor Miller, why are you taking pride in a world that isn't yours? Those words need to be examined. Why are you taking pride in a world that isn't yours? This is what they did wrong with the Misoninim when they complained about whatever it was in the Midbar. 
By the way, anything they didn't complain about, they got greater shefa from Hashem. They didn't complain about their clothes, so their clothes never wore out. The things they complained about, they had to work harder for. But in any case, we find that Victor Miller tells us that when you're in a world that isn't yours, when you're in a world that doesn't belong to you, you should have some humility. You should realize it's not coming to me. Not, it's not all coming to me. What's there? So let's say I have less control. I have more control. So let's say, why should it be about me when the world, this world, Olam Hazeh, is not mine? It's not based on my accomplishments. I'm being given a chesed chinam. I'm being given gifts that I don't deserve. I'm being given gifts that I don't deserve. I'm, I, I, it, it doesn't belong to me. I can't think of myself. By the way, the Nesim that were then appointed by Moshe Rabbeinu, by my means of goral, by means of lottery, those Nesim were all the Shotrim in Mitzrayim. Those were all the people that endured blows rather than the, like make the Jews work. They took the blows from the Egyptians. We, too, have to look at our responsibility to others. And that's why Moshe gave them that day. It says it was like giving of the Torah, the day that the new Nesim were crowned as the Nesim of the Jewish people. And they took over. And they were the ones now helping Moshe Rabbeinu out in, in, in leading over the Jewish people. Now, the, to explain this concept more with Rav Victor Miller, why are you complaining about, why are you being misguided? Why are you being arrogant about a world that is not yours? Where Victor Miller mentions that a person can walk around, let's say he goes to a store, he feels good about himself. I've just accomplished something. I just came out with a bunch of groceries. I paid for them this week. I worked hard and I paid for my groceries. There is a sense of good feeling. But it's not yours. You, the money came from Hashem. Your koch came from Hashem. The fact you got to the grocery came from Hashem. Everything you have came from Hashem. Where's your sense of humility a little bit? Like, it's not coming to me. It's not just that the God owns the world. We say a bracha, now we're entitled. The whole idea that our minds have to be, that the bracha that we've been given, we're not entitled to anything. It's all been given as a gift. It's all a gift. It's not ours. It's unbelievable. The, 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 the piece that, 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 I, that I read this week from Victor Miller was talking about looters, which is so apropos, that he says you go and you see looters. No one accepts that looting is proper. I mean, unfortunately, we're living in a society where they're starting to say it's, it's, they're entitled to it. But we see looting as a man works his whole life to build up a store, and these people just break the windows and take everything. And you look at him like, why is it coming to you? Shouldn't we feel the same way with everything we have? Why is it coming to us? Why do we deserve it? It says in Gemara, of, it says, Zois Tyras Habahema. I think it's the Gemara Kulin. I didn't write the source here down. It says, um, what's the law of Bahama? So the Gemara Kulin says, Am Ha'aretz is not allowed to eat meat. Now, of course, for today, there's different halachas that apply. But why can't an Am Ha'aretz eat meat? Because... Is he going to have, meat is such a special thing. It gives us so much strength. There's protein. There's pleasure. There's so much involved in meat. But is he going to appreciate it to really say that he deserves the meat? Is he, how can he deserve the meat? A Talmud Chacham is thinking about Hashem all the time. It'll just enhance his avodah Hashem. 
Like in other words, we have to give a din v'cheshven. When we have something, are we using this to serve Hashem? Are we using this as self-serving? That's what the Nassim did wrong. That's what B'nai Yisrael wants. Like, we want, where's our part in serving Hashem already? But like, here we're given a task. We're given a mission. Are we doing our task and spend and giving it our full? Or are we looking other pastors for something else? Now, they didn't really complain because it could be just a facial expression. It could be just that they didn't have the simcha sachaim that they're supposed to have with that, that ethereal type of existence. But that's the lesson for us to learn, that we have to live our lives thinking about how can we, not what is coming more to us, not to be entitled. This is, that's perhaps why this is happening to us now. You know, it's a big lesson for us. We've gotten big lessons from Corona. Corona's lesson, I think, in, in short, is first of all, to appreciate people that we were separated from. And second of all, to know we have no control. Hashem just took the whole world and turned it upside down. And now on top of it all, after turning the world upside down, he showed us the whole world, first of all, is nuts. The world that we worship so much, the world, the, the, you know, who could even listen to the news? You're people, an anarchy, a total anarchy we're living in. And, and what are they saying? Everything's coming to us. Everything's coming. We have to be a little bit more humbled and realize this is not our world. This is the words he said. That, that Victor Miller says about this Nazar how by a great person should said what this young man from the south said, who could maybe was an ignorant youth, who knows what he was, but he had a feeling of, Hashem, I don't deserve, how can I take pride in my looks in a world that's not mine? I'm afraid that I'm, afraid that I'm going to take pride. I have to become a Nazar and cut off all my hair for you, Hashem, at the end of the Nazirus to show that I don't want to take pride in myself. Now, we have to take pride in our generation. We have to take pride because we, feel, we don't feel good enough about ourselves. But let's realize this is not our world. Let's make the best of what we do have. Let's rejoice in it. Let's, not, let's accept our situation with simcha. Let's not say there's too much Hashem in our lives. Let's, we need a break, but let's not take a break from Hashem. No matter what the break is, let's never make it a break from Hashem, even when we vacation, even when we do anything. Let it not be a break from Hashem. I thank you for listening. And we should all, as Hashem, be together soon because I find this very hard to give a sheer when I'm just looking at myself. I can't take it. It's driving me nuts. (laughs) That's all I can see. I want to see you already, all of you. So maybe you could, I wish Rivka could unmute all of you. And I could see all of your beautiful faces. And I really, it was a pleasure speaking to you. And um, it's a shame. Let's take those thoughts of, of, you know, we're not entitled. The facial expression, the simcha, the thank Hashem for what we have right now. Say thank you even if it hurts. And then later ask for something different tomorrow. Thank you for listening, and I wish you a wonderful week. And Mashiach Tzikenu Bekarav Mamish.